Hello everyone, I'm Pastor Rick Hawkins of Quest Church in Norman, Oklahoma. I want to thank you all for joining us today. This podcast is going to be informative, insightful, and inspirational for your life. Listen every week because we'll have a special word just for you. I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles to the book of Judges chapter 1. And we're going to read three verses of scripture. I told Pastor Don before I came up here, I've never preached uh, this message before. This will be the first time I've ever preached this. And I know that God gave it to me for us for now. Amen. And let me ask this question. How many of you love the word of God? That's, that's a setup for question number two. How many of you appreciate when pastors and preachers and apostles and evangelists and uh, teachers get in the Word and study the Word and, and bring something to you that they've heard in prayer, right? That they've worked and they, they dug in the Word of God to get something that they feel like God would want them to deliver. How many of you have an appreciation for that, right? I, you know, I believe God's raising up a generation that is hungry for the Bible, hungry for the Word of God. Not just Logos, but Rhema, a right now word, a right now ready word. Amen. So that's what we're going to bring to you today. Judges chapter number one and verse number one. Let me just bind every devil first of all. Amen. Just let me, let me get after some demons here. If you understood what a beachhead is, a beachhead is a certain area, territory uh, that is established to, to then set in that place what would be a military base, right? A place of strategy. I believe that Quest Church is a beachhead for the community in the state of Oklahoma. I believe that with all of my heart, that this 30 acres right here that you're standing on today is a beachhead for God to launch an apostolic artillery, apostolic attack on strongholds in this community. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to speak to every principality and power and ruler in the heavenly places, and I'm going to tell them to roll back, be pushed back by the name of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for divine strategy being released in this building today. Lord, we believe in spiritual things. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. So help us tap in to the Holy Spirit today. What is the Holy Spirit saying and doing? And we stand against every curse, every demonic spirit. We break every generational curse. We bind every generational spirit. There's somebody in a lineage and a genealogy in their family, in this place today, that you have earmarked to break every cycle that, that the demon has assigned to these family units, that things are going to reverse, things are going to turn around just because you have mantled that individual in this moment to release blessing and not curse to their entire family. Throw your hands up and shout, that's me, that is me. Shout it, that is me. In Jesus' name. Judges chapter 1, verse 1. Now, after the death of Joshua, it came to pass that the children of Israel asked the Lord, saying, Who shall go up for us 
against the Canaanites first to fight against them. And the Lord said, Judah shall go up. You know what's crazy? Y'all see that phone call coming in right there? It's kind of freaking me out. Because that's Clint Brown calling. And the name of his church is Judah Church. All right. I don't answer. Bishop? Okay, have y'all ever heard of a butt call? I didn't call him a butt. I'm just saying he accidentally called me. But he does pastor Judah Church. That kind of freaked me out. As soon as I said, and the Lord said, Judah, the phone rang. And the Lord said, Judah shall go up. Behold, I have delivered the land. Boy, if you understood the importance of geography. We're going to start teaching on it Wednesday night. I have delivered the land into his hand. And Judah said unto Simeon, his brother, come up with me into my lot that we may fight against the Canaanites. And I likewise will go with you into your lot. So Simeon went with him. I'm going to preach a message entitled this morning, The Merge. Everyone say, The Merge. If I would subtitle this message, I would call it, Help Me With This, and I'll Help You With That. Tell three people around you, Help Me With This, and I'll Help You With That. Lift those hands. Father, we love you today. We're hungry for your word. Have your way. Do something only you can do. Do something only you can do. I'm going to ask you one more time, Lord. Do something only you can do in this building and we'll give you glory for it in Jesus name now before you sit down I want you to give him the biggest praise you gave him all day long right now come on y'all lift up your voice we're only doing what the Bible tells us to do come on this is not a physical exercise come on this is spiritual the Bible says clap your hands all ye people And all ye people shout to the Lord with a voice of triumph. Come on. Hallelujah. High five three people and tell them it's on in the building. One of the greatest challenges, you may be seated, one of the greatest challenges to the synergistic faith of a congregation or community is the relinquishing of individualism. I'm going to say it again. One of the greatest challenges to the synergistic faith of any congregation or community is the relinquishing of individualism. Even God himself did not express himself in a mode of individualism. He is God the Father, God the Son, God the the Holy Spirit. He he expressed himself in a personality that was plural. I'm God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The philosophy of individualism would go like this. 
whether it be political, ideological, or social, if it improves my worth, I like it. If it does not improve my worth, I'm not interested in it. Individualism says I promote my goals. I promote my desires above everything else. Individualism states my independence and self-reliance is paramount to me. Individualism says my interests are important. Therefore, I carry, they carry precedence over any group, team, community, or congregation. Individualism says I will oppose anything from any group that interferes with my own interest. Individualism has never won championships. Individualism has never promoted the idea of success for the group. Individualism is anti or against the celebration of the community. Hmm. It wasn't long ago that I preached to you a message called two are better than one. Praise and worship. Aaron and her. I won't go through it. You remember it. If you have not heard it, go back and get it. The fact is we do better together. Let's say it together. We do better together. One has authority. But it takes two to have dominion. Genesis 1.28. One can have authority, but it takes two to have dominion. Even Jesus said, if any two of you agree as touching anything. Ooh, Lord have mercy. He didn't say if any one of you believe. He said if any two of you agree. See, when influence finds confluence, which is two streams flowing in the same direction, impact is only increased. When influence finds confluence, then impact is only increased. I was thinking about how many companies have merged in the last two decades, major industries have merged in the last two decades. And I thought, what does it take to merge? Merging requires, first of all, yielding. Somebody has to yield. I remember one time we pulled up to one of those stoplights where two cars are next to each other and just about... 40 feet in front of us, there was a merge that had to happen. And I was in that car with my dad, and my dad was in this lane. We were the second car, and there was a second car in the main lane, which means the first car goes, the second car over here merges. Are you getting the picture? The third car goes, and the fourth car merges. My dad went to merge, and when he did, the person in the main lane decided, I'm not going to let you merge. 
My dad was not saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, sanctified, baptized, or authorized in the name of Jesus. He was an unsaved sinner. Which means the race was on. There was a few waves with the hand with certain gestures. And it wasn't sign language, or maybe it was. And there was quite the confrontation at the next light. I'll leave it there. It's interesting that if someone would have just yielded, everything would have flowed a lot better. Merging requires compromise. You'll learn that in your marriage. Merging requires the art of negotiating. Merging requires submitting. And the list goes on. I want us to look at our text today with a mindset of merging. Judges chapter 1 is an interesting chapter because something is taking place for the first time in biblical history. A people who are used to advancing under the leadership of a man, namely Joshua, are you with me so far, is now being held up. The people are being stalled. From the beginning of time until Judges chapter 1, God always had his man. If he wanted to form a nation or build a nation, he didn't call a community, he called a man. He called Abram in Genesis chapter 12, who would later become Abraham. Abram means the exalted father, but Abraham means the father of many nations. I love that because that's ethnos, many ethnicities. I love that. Then when he wants to take that nation into a place of preservation at that time, which would be Egypt, he calls Joseph to take them in. When the place of pleasantry becomes a place of slavery, he calls a man named Moses to lead them out. After they are led out, God calls a man. When Moses dies, a man named Joshua to lead him in to the promised land. Lord have mercy. But now there's no Moses, there's no Joseph, there's no Joshua. He had died. And the question is, who is next? Who's going to take us from here? And instead of God speaking a name of an individual, he said a tribe shall take it from here. Who shall go up first to face the Canaanites? And the Bible says God speaks and says, send Judah first to fight. Listen to the assignment. Not to possess the land, but to fight the Canaanites. Whew. 
send Judah first to fight the Canaanites. I believe that we have embarked, we have crossed a threshold in a place in the spirit that we have never been. What are you saying, Pastor Rick? I believe that God is about to drop mantles on assemblies, not just individuals. Yeah. I believe that God is about to do a corporate move, a congregational move, not just a personality move. I believe the day of the celebrity personality in the pulpit is waning. And I believe that mantles are falling on houses now where churches are talked about more than preachers are talked about. Hmm. Who shall go up for us against the Canaanites? There's the problem. Everyone say the problem. See, the problem is the Canaanites. If you rewind the tape just a little bit, Joshua is assigned to fight against certain enemies that were resisting the progression of God's people into their promised land. Is everybody with me so far? Stay with me. In Joshua chapter 3 and verse 10, you find this assignment. Joshua said, Hereby you shall know that the living God is among you and that God will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Why would you bring that up, Pastor Rick? I have a firm belief in Bereshith principles, referred to as the law of first mention. That when something is mentioned the first time and definition is given to it, that there is a residual to that principle. To the point that James chapter 1, the apostle James says, this epistle, listen to it carefully, is to the 12 tribes of the earth. Now wait a minute. He's in the New Testament writing a New Testament epistle. And he says this letter is written to the 12 tribes. The tribes are gone by now. Or are they? If you read James as being current to your life today, then you would have to embrace the idea that when he says, I'm writing this to the 12 tribes that are in the earth, that maybe churches have engrafted certain personalities from the 12 tribes into their houses. I would dare submit to you that if you really did a close study of the 12 disciples, apostles, that Jesus chose, you would find certain characteristics of the tribes are also in the apostles. 
each one of these tribes had a certain personality. Benjamin was ambidextrous, left-handed, unusual, unorthodox. Benjamin could eat five times his weight in a day because he had the spirit of hunger. Don't let me talk to you about Zebulun and Issachar who understood the times and knew what they should do. Don't let me talk to you about Dan who had the spirit of judgment, meaning discernment, or Gad, which means the quiet retaliator. You get me now, I get you later. And there are certain churches like that today. There are Judah churches today. There are Benjamin churches today. There are Gad churches today. The 12 tribes are still in the earth. But these same ites are still in the earth. The spirit of the Canaanite, Gergeshite, Hivite, Jebusite, I'll show you. The word Hittite literally means terror by confusion. What is that? It's the spirit of instability. People who are not able to stand. They are filled with panic and anxiety. The spirit of the Hivite, which means villager, those that take up residence. It's the spirit of accepting things that do not belong. The parasite, I'm going to go through them quickly, means rustic or unwalled. This is a spirit where people have no self-control. These spirits are in the earth today. The Gergeshites means a stranger is drawing near. It has to do with being mysterious, filled with fascination, with no fundamentals. I know a lot of superstitious religious people who are like that. Everything's a demon. I'll leave it there. The Amorites. Amorite means to publicize or to speak or to say. The Amorites means gossip. The spirit of slandering and always questioning. The spirit of speculation, never trusting. The Jebusite means to trodden, the spirit of intimidation. This is the Jezebel spirit. This is how we do it, Pastor. I'll leave it there. That's just six of them. This, that's not the ones that Judah and Simeon have to deal with, no. They have to deal with this one called the Canaanites. See, they've been around the longest. They're ancient. They're archaic. This spirit is still here today. What does it mean, Pastor Rick? The merchant or the peddler. The spirit of buying and selling is the spirit of loving money. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It doesn't say it's the root of evil. It says it's the root of all kinds of evil. It doesn't say money is evil. As the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. The Canaanite spirit is in the church today. You know what it is? A free agent mentality. I am up for the highest bidder. The free agent mentality is the greatest threat to any dynasty. Whew. I want to take a pause here. And I want to thank Aaron 
I want to thank Butch. And I want to thank Gino. And I want to thank Tony. I have been here, this is going to shock some of y'all, five years starting in October. Five years. Can you believe it? Seems like yesterday. Five years. Five years ago, this was our band. Five years later, it's still our band. And here's what I know that they don't know that I know. Every one of them have been offered more money. Every one of them have been trying to be pulled. People have tried to pull them out of here by giving them more money. And if you saw what we gave these guys, you would laugh at it. It ain't enough to buy McDonald's for a week. I'm just telling the truth. But these men feel like God has assigned them to this house. Oh, I wish I had a church that could hear me. You need to show some love and appreciation that you know what? The Canaanite spirit is not on these guys. They're not up for the highest bidder. They're not up for the... See, here's what happens when you entertain, Lord God and mercy, I know where I'm going. When you entertain the Canaanite spirit, you become like Gehazi. And Gehazi was supposed to be the successor to Elisha. And Elisha heals Naaman of leprosy by telling him to dip in the muddy Jordan seven times. And then Gehazi leaves Elisha to go check on Naaman. And Naaman offers Elisha money through Gehazi. And Gehazi takes the money and doesn't tell Elisha. What happened? Elisha is now buried wearing a mantle that belonged to Gehazi. Y'all missing that? But because Gehazi loved the money more than the mantle, he missed his mantle and his money ran out. Too many lost mantles for chasing money. I'm going to leave it with this. The Canaanite spirit is the spirit of the opportunist. What is an opportunist? He's just somebody that sits around waiting to take somebody else's place. The Canaanite spirit is in the church today in regards and in relation to the fact that when people decide they don't like it here no more, they jump up, they uproot their families and take off to another church and ain't nobody preached heresy. Ain't nobody preached nothing that ain't in the Bible. It's just I don't like it here no more. And I ain't saying you shouldn't move churches because people do it all the time. But I gotta tell you something. You can only expose your roots 
for so long. Before long, you got to find your house. And you got to get planted in that house. And you got to say, you know what? The pastor ain't going to always preach everything I like. And somebody's going to get on my nerves. And the music's going to get too loud. And this is going to happen. But this is my family. This is my house. And I'm not moving. So Joshua dies. And the question is, who's going to fight the Canaanites? And the Lord said, Judah shall go up, for I've delivered the land into his hand. And Judah said to Simeon, his brother, come with me, merge with me, that we can fight against the Canaanite spirit. And I will go with you into your lot. So Simeon went with him, Judah shall go up. Everything about Judah has to do with voice. Don't miss this, please. Everything about Judah has to do with voice. When Moses blesses the tribe of Judah in Deuteronomy 33 and verse 7, he says, this is the blessing of Judah. Hear, Lord, the voice of Judah. The blessing was on what? His voice. So when the question is asked, who shall go up against the Canaanites to fight them? God says, send somebody with a voice. Who shall go up first? The commencement. It means first means the opening. Who's going to open this region? Somebody with a voice. Judah has an opening anointing. Do the etymology because the progression is on this wise. It moves from Judah being voice to Judah being praise. Praise has a way of opening stuff. To open something means to be in a position that causes permission for others to make a passage. What did you just say, Pastor Rick? Your praise... Your voice could be opening a passage for the person sitting right next to you. Now, it's going, I'm not going to get a good response to that because you don't have a proper understanding of the power of praise. And while we're always telling you, lift your hands, lift your voice, you think it's some physical calisthenic. You think it's some practical exercise and physical entertainment. It has nothing to do with that. Jesus said, if you do not praise me, the rocks will cry out in your place because I need somebody to create an opening in the atmosphere. If there's principalities and powers in the atmosphere, then the only thing that's going to push them back is a praise that comes up from God's people. You say, I don't know what praise means. Praise simply means giving God thanks for everything he ever did in your entire life, including the last breath you just took. You could be dead and in your grave, but you're alive. You got oxygen in your lungs. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. That's not a suggestion. That's a command. Let everything that has breath 
praise the Lord. I'm going to give you 15 seconds to inhale and exhale the biggest praise you ever gave him. Praise, 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 praise. We enter his gates with thanksgiving, but we enter his courts with praise. If you want to get real close, you got to get a praise up out of your mouth. If you want to really get in his presence, you got to let praise come out of your mouth. Somebody lift your voice and begin to praise him right now. That's why the book of Revelation says, who shall prevail that we may open the seals? And the Bible says the elder spoke up and says Judah has prevailed to open the seals. The seals is the revelation. If you want preachers to preach with revelation, then you have to be a people of praise because praise will always open up the atmosphere for revelation to flow. If you want to hear something you never heard and see something you never seen, you got to be a people that are filled with praise. I'm going to give you 30 more seconds to praise him for everything he's ever done in your life. Judah has prevailed. Praise will prevail. Praise will push you up over your problem. Praise will push you over a mountain. Praise will push you through the army that is set against. Praise will carry you through confusion. Praise will deliver you from disease. Praise will bring you out of depression. Praise will bring you out of discouragement. Praise will bring the presence of God in the house. God inhabits the praises of his people. If you say, I don't feel him, Pastor Rick, it's cause you ain't saying nothing. When you start praising him, he starts coming down. He inhabits the praises of his people. If you don't feel something, it's cause you ain't done something. I'm gonna ask you one more time to clap your hands and give God a praise in this house. Woo! 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 You know what Jacob said about Judah? Stay standing, you're gonna need this. Genesis chapter 49, verse number eight. Jacob said about Judah, Judah, your hand shall be on the neck of your enemy. Y'all didn't hear that. Every time you praise God, you get the devil right by his neck. You paralyze the enemy with your praise. If you don't believe me, talk to Jehoshaphat. He told that army, he said, just praise him for his mercy endures forever. And when they did, the enemy turned against themselves and started killing themselves. Your praise puts confusion in the enemy's camp. 
I'm going to give you 10 more seconds to praise him like you really. church I was raised in. See, some of y'all don't know where I started preaching. All my first preaching was in the church of God in Christ. Woo. All my first preaching was in the Pentecostal assemblies of the world. Y'all don't know nothing about that, see. Because them people, when they went to praising, they would say it like this, you can't praise him like I praise him. And they would say, you don't know what the Lord has done for me. If you could only see everything he brought me through, you would be praising him just like I'm praising him. What are you saying, Pastor Rick? Don't worry about that stoic brother on your right and that dignified lady on your left. They weren't there when you were laid out in your car, drunk out your mind, had weed laying all on the floorboard. You didn't know how you was going to get another piece of bread, but God preserved you. God carried you. God delivered you from addiction. He sanctified you. He gave you a purpose, and you gonna tell me you don't have a reason to praise him he saved your marriage 10 more seconds to praise him like you appreciate everything he did Woo. now pastor doesn't take all that pastor does it take all that? I'm only doing what the Bible tells me to do. If you really broke it down, if you really broke praise down, it means to spin around hilariously. It means to dance in a celebration. We ain't even really started praising by just lifting our hands and shouting thank you. But if you really want to praise him, you'll start putting your dance all the way on. Just look over at somebody near you and tell them quietly, you have no idea. You have no idea. The truth be told, if you gave your whole testimony, you would wear a bag over your head. If you told the whole truth about your whole life, you would get up underneath that chair and God delivered you from your shame. He delivered you from your guilt. He, deli he delivered you from your regret. You know what? There's some drug addicts that have been delivered in this house.
High five somebody and tell them we just getting started, honey. We just, we just getting started. You may be seated. can unlock everybody everybody that's locked up on your road your praise can open a door for every one of them all right let's try it sit down one more time one more again I don't know if I can get you back or not but I'm gonna try Look at guys in this church I'm getting to know. I look at Richard Lambert. Oh, God, thank God for saving that man. Michael Macon, Tommy McGregor. These are cowboys that I rope with, hang out with. And man, when I hear about their past and what God has delivered them from, if they don't praise him, I praise him for them when they leave. I leave it there. The Lord said, send the praise. Send Judah. Send Judah first. Let me gather my thoughts because I'm all excited. The Lord said, send Judah. Everybody preaches on that. Matter of fact, everything I just preached to you, you probably heard before. And if you had any part to do with Azusa, I know you heard it. And we have Miss Azusa among us today. So I know you know about it. 
My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. Somebody going to get delivered here. Whew. The Lord said, send Judah. That's all he said. The Lord said, send who? What does Judah mean? Praise. When? First. Because the first opens the way for the rest. Somebody has to go first. Why not you be the crazy praiser in your family? I leave it alone. All right. The Lord says, send Judah. And then Judah said, Simeon, come with me. The Lord never said, send Judah and Simeon. He said, send Judah. Now I got your attention. Listen carefully. The Lord never said, some of y'all are in bondage because you won't praise him. I, gotta, I keep hearing the Holy Ghost talk to me. I'm trying to get on Simeon, but the Holy Ghost is talking to me. Some of y'all are dealing with stuff. You, some of y'all are in a promiscuous, soul-tied relationship, and you cannot break it, and you will sit there and not give God praise. And God said, your freedom is in your praise. I hear him saying it. I hear him saying it. I hear the Holy Spirit speaking to me, saying, your freedom is in your praise. I hear God saying, your deliverance is in your praise. I'll leave it there. The longer you sit quietly in silence, the longer the enemy will have his way in your life. You say, Pastor Rick, I'm not that kind of person. God is not giving you the spirit of fear or timidity, but he's giving you the spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. Spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. God didn't give you a spirit of quietness. Timidity, shyness. It's mighty funny to me that you'll get drunk in that bar room and you jump up on the table and dance. And shout and scream. You'll go to Oklahoma Sooners football game and watch Gabriel throw a touchdown pass and jump up out of your couch and run around your living room. But you can't open your mouth in the house of God knowing everything God did for you. I'm not like that. You better get like that. Because God don't make shy people. God has not given you the spirit of timidity. Let's go Bible on it. Come on. You bring me word. I'll bring you some word. All right, let me continue. Everybody preaches on that, and I've not preached anything you haven't heard. The Lord said to Judah, go first. Judah said to Simeon, his brother, come up with me. And watch what he said, Everett, because you're listening today. I see you hearing me. Thank you, sir. I love the way you hear it. He said, Send Judah. Judah says, Simeon, come up with me. But that ain't all he said. He said, if you help me, I help you. And that's strong. Because it seemed like the Christian thing would be, I'm going to help you. And then will you help me? That ain't what he said. He said, if you help me, I'm going to help you. Simeon's name is interesting. Simeon means to listen, progress, to hear, progress, to obey. Simeon's name means to listen, to hear, to obey. Where Judah is all about voice, Simeon is all about hearing. Hearing. 
when I saw that, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said these words, be sure that your partners not only listen to you, but they hear you. Jesus did not say, let him that has ears to, to listen. He said, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Being unheard results in feelings of disconnection. Giovanna probably asked this question during the week more than any other question. Ricky, did you hear me? <laughs> she didn't say, are you listening to me? She says, did you hear me? Because listening, I can listen and it just be a noise. But for me to hear her is way different. Listening is an art. Hearing requires us to be patient, receptive, open-minded, and non-judgmental. There's y'all's little clip for y'all to cut out. Acts chapter 2, verse 6. We're going to go a little deep. You ready? When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. We preach Acts chapter 2 like these guys come out of the upper room speaking in tongues and there was mass confusion. No, it was beautiful order and understanding. Because even though they were speaking in a language they've never spoken, the people who were listening heard their language being spoken from people that never spoke it. You really got the Holy Ghost when you can speak a language that people can understand. In Genesis 11, what did God do? He confused the language. In Acts chapter 2, he made each to hear his own language. I'm going to go with you. Stay with me now. I'm going to go deep here. Language is a system of communication within a certain community. A system of communication within a certain community. It's the structuring of words for the purpose of clear communication. What are you saying, Pastor Rick? We all speak English. But that does not mean we all speak the same language. Y'all just missed that. We all speak English. But that doesn't mean we all speak the same language. Have you ever said this? He just doesn't speak my language. I, I can't hear You might could if you tried. Hearing is a responsibility. Hmm. The boy is deaf and dumb. He can't speak, he can't hear, and, he, and was brought to Jesus. Can I ask you a question? What did Jesus heal first? His speaking or his hearing? His hearing, thank you. He opened his ears and then loosed his tongue. Because it's more important to God that you hear 
than it is for you to speak. See, here's the problem in the church. We don't have a sound problem in the church. We have a hearing problem in the church. I'm going to say it again. We don't have a voice problem in the church. We have a hearing problem in the church because we're not disciplined enough to learn the language. I'm sorry, but God's vocabulary is different than your vocabulary. And it takes a trained ear to hear the language of the house. I told you about me and Shaka Khan. When she said, where are you from? And I said, I'm from San Antonio. And she said, no, you're not. She said, you might live in San Antonio, but you ain't from there. I said, no, I'm from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And she said, I knew it. All you white boys talk like brothers in Louisiana. I gave it away by my dialect. Y'all missing this whole thing. You should give it away by your language at the supermarket. Y'all missing it. You should give it away at the gas pump when you're talking about the goodness of God from a message you heard this morning at Quest Church and people say, my God, you are not like everybody else. Are y'all with me so far? I'm done now. The partnership was Judah telling Simeon to join him. Why is that? Tracy, thank you for hearing today. I can tell you're enjoying this. I love it when I see guys enjoying this. Watch this here. John, what good would it be to have a voice if you don't have someone who can hear you? If you got that revelation that I just said right there, you'd be praying, Lord, help me to hear what the Spirit is saying right now. Help me to hear, not listen. Help me to hear what the Holy Ghost is speaking right now. Hmm. What good would it be to have a voice and not have anyone who can hear it? So out of all the tribes, Judah chooses somebody that can hear. I've got the voice, but I need someone who can hear from me. Judah chapter 1, verse 4. And Judah went up, and the Lord delivered the Canaanites into his hand, and they slew 10,000 men. Guess who helped him? Simeon. Skip down to verse 7, and I'm done. And Judah returned the favor. And Judah went with Simeon, his brother, and they slew the Canaanites at Zephath and utterly destroyed them. You help me with this, and I'll help you with that. Sounds like a good deal, don't it? Let me, let me let you in on a little secret here. Simeon had absolutely nothing to offer. 
I hope you're listening to me. No, I hope you hear me. Simeon Gino had nothing to offer Judah. Nothing. He had nothing. As a matter of fact, he's referred to along with Levi as the lost tribes of Israel. Isn't it interesting that Levi gets restored to the place of prominence that positions of priesthood would come out of Levi, but everybody forgets Simeon. As a matter of fact, when he receives that little affirmation of prophecy from Jacob in chapter 49, you know what God says about Simeon and Levi? You boys are boys of violence. I don't even want to be in your assembly. Why? Because they went in and destroyed the men who raped their sister Dinah to the point that it was grotesque. And God said, you should have got mad, but you should have never got violent. Uncontrolled anger always results in violence. And violence will cause you to lose your position. So they don't even get a word of affirmation from their father. When you get to Deuteronomy chapter 33, they don't even get the blessing of Moses. I've lost half of y'all, but I'm going to keep talking to you. Because this is the most important message I've preached all year. This is the most important message I've preached in this building all year long. Simeon had nothing to offer Judah. Why? Because his tribe now had dwindled all the way down to just 12,000 people. He was nothing. He was a nobody. He had nothing to offer. And Judah said, Simeon, you come with me. If I had a map, I wish I had a map. I would draw all of Israel for you. And I would show you where each tribe on that map got their geographical territory. You know who got the biggest portion? Judah. Judah's portion is twice as big as everybody else. And Simeon, he don't have any territory alone. But when you draw the map of Judah, right in the heart of Judah, you find the name Simeon. Why? Because Judah's heart was big enough to help somebody that couldn't help him. See, here's the deal. Isaiah, they conquered Zephath. You know what it means, the watchtower. You know what it means to peer into your future. Judah said, if you'll help me, I'll help you and I'll give you your future back. My God have mercy. See, why do you always look for people that look like they can really help you when really it's those that you have discounted because of their background, their past, where they came from, and you think they have nothing to offer. And God says, choose the, it's the good Samaritan. Are y'all hearing what I'm telling you? The least among everyone. 
Simeon lost everything because he had a behavior problem. He had an anger problem. He had a bad temper. Simeon is referred to as being lost, but because Judah was willing to help, Judah checked him. Caleb, Judah checked him. Help me. Oh, I'm just, I just want to see if you're moving. You did. He said to him, help me. He wanted to know, will you go first? Are you willing to swallow your pride and come help me? You know why his mother named him Simeon? Because when she had him, here's what Leah said. The Lord has heard everyone hates me. Be careful, mama, what you speak over your son. So he grew up with an attitude from the words that formed his world. Hatred. I'm mad at everybody. And he had no one that would reach for him because of his anger. If you will help me even when you are down, you will be helped when it's time for you to recover. Now we know why Judah merged Simeon into his camp to give Simeon his future back. Pastor Rick, what are you saying? Listen to me. Many of you come to this church, you didn't have a bank full of money. Matter of fact, some of you didn't even have jobs. You came from a background that is filled with addiction and problems and trouble. And you even said, where could I ever fit in to a place like this? And we say to you, welcome to Judah. Come on in because we're going to help you see your future. We're going to help you see that no matter how much you've been diminished, your destiny is still intact and you have a great, great future. Can a church give God praise right there? I'm done, but I want you to give God praise right there. Let's give him praise. I said to you at the beginning of this service, Talitha, stand right here. Jamie, stand right where you stand. Talitha, stand right here. If we're in two lanes and I'm going forward and we're going to go into one lane and we're all moving, Jamie, you have to yield but to Talitha to find her place. My question to you is, will you please yield? Will you please merge to let everybody fit in? Can you slow your roll about how much you know about God for a minute to let everybody fit in? Shout this with me. Everyone counts. Everyone counts. And out of everyone, Judah chose Simeon. The least. Good God have mercy. I'm going to give you five principles. Individualism is an enemy to unity. 
You can get them from, you go back and watch this, you can write them down. Number two, the Canaanite spirit will always chase the wrong thing. Number three, there's strength in the merge. Say it with me. There is strength in the merge. Do not just listen, but learn to hear. Say it with me. Do not just listen, but learn to hear. Number five, even in your weakest hour, be a support. Number six, when you show support, you will receive support. Let me tell you a story and I'm done. See, I wrote these notes. This is my P.S. notes I always get from the Holy Ghost when I sit down. I usually don't show you these, but I have to today. Here's what the Lord told me. If I can get you to hear, I can get you to think. If I can get you to hear, I can get you to believe. If I can get you to hear, I can get you to speak. And if I can get you to speak, I can get you to see things you've never seen in your life. But it all starts with hearing. last part of this Woo, Lord help me make it through this last two minutes <laughs> 2007 is the darkest year of my entire life When I think of 2007, I just weep. I watched 700 leaders leave my church in seven days. Not members, leaders. We had over 4,000 people in our church. 700 leaders in one week. Don Wells is here and he will tell you I had a pastor's network of 90 churches across the nation. 89 of them called me and said we don't want to be in the network. I guess you're getting a hint that I did something really bad. What I did really don't matter. It really don't. Because what's under the blood I, I'm, I'm not about lifting up somebody's past to see what's in there when the blood is all over it. You all know I messed up. Let me just say something to you. I might have messed up, but I got messed on. And I remember crying my eyes out at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. It was 110 degrees in the middle of August in San Antonio, Texas. And I won't tell you my condition because you've heard it before on that front porch, but I was Simeon. I was diminished. But I could still hear. I had lost my voice. One of the definitions for a voice is influence. I've lost my influence. And I had nothing off nothing 
And I received a phone call from Judah. Gary Oliver, who written some of the most famous praise songs the church has ever heard. Gary Oliver was my Judah. And he said, I'm coming to your house. And I have somebody that wants to meet you. And I said, man, I'm in no condition and I'm not interested. And they drove up and Gary stepped out. I was in my underwear, excuse me. And a gentleman stepped out that I thought was Bill Clinton. He was sharp. And I'm looking off my porch and he's walking dignified, straight back, taking little steps, six foot three. I said, he walks like John Wayne, little steps for such a big man. Walked up those stairs and he looked right at me and he said, are you the infamous Rick Hawkins? I looked at him and I said, yes. I don't know about infamous, but I'm Rick Hawkins. Who are you? He said, I'm Dick Burnell. Dick Burnell was pastoring the biggest church in California. 28,000 members. I said, sir, let me go get some pants on, please. I went and got dressed. I come back. I shook his hand. I said, sir, what, what are you doing here? He said, sit down. Four hours we talked, and I poured my heart out to him. I said, I have nothing to give, man. I'm done. He said, that's fine. Gary got ready to leave, and Pastor Dick said, I'm not going. I'm going to stay here with you. I said, sir, I don't even know you. He said, you got a bed in there? I said, no, sir. I got a couch. He said, how many couches you got? I said, two. He said, you sleep on one, I'll sleep on the other one. That man stayed with me for a week. He never asked me anything other than, what am I going to do with my life? After a week, he called his secretary, and he said, Teresa, what we got going on next week at the church? And then I heard him say, Rick Hawkins is going to be speaking. And I'm no sir you don't you don't I got leprosy right now you don't want me to bring my bell in there he said God told me to come here and be your friend for the rest of your life let me tell you something let me tell you something this came in at 9.50 this morning, 10 minutes before church started. How's my preacher? That's every day. Every day, how's my preacher? And then I said, I'm doing good. I'm going to preach good today. He said, I know you will. He said, be gentle with those people. I said, yes, sir, I will. He said, okay, go get her done. That's every day since 2008. Not every, am I right, Joe? Every day 
every day, seven days a week. Rick, how you doing? That's Judah telling Simeon, come on in, I got you covered. As a matter of fact, I'm going to give you an allotment right in the middle of all, I'm going to surround you. I'm all around you, Rick. I got you. Simeon, I got you. Front, back, sides, I got you. Listen, what if we were all like Judah? What if we were all like Pastor Dick that says, I don't care what you've done. God is not finished with you. God is not done with you. And we start showing you a bright future. Somebody give him a Judah praise real quick.